You're listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast, your primary source of information related to the hospitality industry in Washington State. So I, I do want to uh, welcome a couple of folks we have with us today, and we're going to get to them in a minute. But if you haven't met Kathy Fox, Kathy is our senior uh, territory manager out of uh, Seattle neighborhoods. She also supports East King County um, in a lot of her work. Um, and she is absolutely amazing. I think for those of you who have uh, Kathy as your territory manager, she uh, uh, you're very, very lucky, um, as, as with a lot of our support staff. Uh, but Kathy has also headed up um, our effort to reach out to everyone on a lot of our grant programs and, and organize the team to get going. And I, I wanted her to give an update on Restaurant Revitalization Fund, which we'll get to is, uh, in one more minute. And then also joining me today is uh, Julia Gordon. Um, and Julia is our uh, Director of Government Affairs and uh, 10 times smarter than I am. No one's going to debate that. And uh, in charge of all the things we do from Government Affairs. And so... Uh, uh, Julia, welcome, welcome today. Thank you. And I still see the participant number uh, climbing, um, and so I'm going to give it just one more minute, and we'll go from there. I don't have an opening song today, so I've, I've played a variety of opening songs. Uh, Can you sing for us? I, I could, but <laughs> you know, my karaoke days, uh, for those of you who don't know, I was a karaoke DJ for about I'll say a half a year. Those days are long gone. No warm up, no practice. So kind of that post-college restaurant job, political job, the whatever you needed to do, right? We all we all duct taped it together to get our careers started. All right, I think we've given enough time. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and get rolling. Welcome everyone to our May podcast. Uh, excited to have you here. Uh, excited that um, vaccinations are starting to really roll along. It's providing a lot of hope. Um, and, uh, and for those of you who are uh, listening uh, later, which I know the majority of operators listen online for podcasts or on YouTube later, uh, we are the day after Governor Inslee decided to not roll us back. So this is happy non-rollback day. Um, apparently yesterday, May the 4th was with us um, in whatever the reason the governor decided um, what he decided. So uh, We'd love to get everyone open, but at the same time, I spent most of the weekend fretting, pacing around the house, driving my kids crazy about worrying about Pierce County closing and many of our counties rolling back. So the governor changing his mind was good news. Uh, I want to highlight some of the stuff that happened in the past month, and, and I want to start with Kathy Fox. Again, Kathy Fox is our senior manager of uh, territory manager for uh, Seattle neighborhoods and East King, uh, she also supports. Kathy, you have been leading all kinds of uh, calling programs of the membership team for uh, both the Working Washington Four and then this past week. In getting ready for the call, I said you probably made over 500 phone calls in the past week. And you said I made a, over 500 phone calls in the last three days calling yeah. everyone. Tell us about the Restaurant Revitalization Fund. How is that going? What were the top questions? Uh, and give us a little bit of information about that. Sure, you bet. So the Restaurant Revitalization Fund was the $28.6 billion that was funded through the American Families Act passed in March by President Biden um, and funded through Cong Congress through the SBA. This is the one relief program that is basically 
built to cover your losses for 2020. Um, and it's distinctive in the fact that you didn't have to be in operation prior to February 15, 2020 in order to get any funding. So if you were scheduled to open your restaurant in March of 2020 and never really got to launch, you can actually go back and get some relief for expenses, et cetera, and lost rent, um, and which is very important. It's one of the only ones that was uh, one of the grant programs that were set up to do that. Um, it is not too late to apply. The portal opened with the SBA on Monday morning, had mass traffic. The SBA has designed this program and they've gone on record saying this, they want as much traffic driven to it in the beginning so they can go back and get more money for the channel. They know 28.6 is not enough. So um, please, please apply, show there's need it's not too late. We, we need we're, and this team is going to continue to uh, call and outreach members and non-members alike operators in the state to actually apply if they have not already. So uh, a couple different, if I can, Kathy, a little follow up. This one's different because I think I'm hearing from operators. I'm like, God, another grants. You know, I'm not in the grants business. This one's not ten thousand dollars. This one's a million for losses up to five million right this is this is the mother of of grants sure it's set up it's essentially set up it's 20 basically this is this is high level uh 2019 gross less 2020 gross less your aggregate ppp loans and that's your award so there we've had a few operators that don't qualify because their ppp covered their losses but if but for most operators that's not the case so you should apply um, and I've heard operators say, well, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to get in that first 21 no way window. I, I know it, it's a good thing. They prioritized, uh, uh, women owned and minority and veteran businesses. But to your point, we want to get every restaurant who still had a loss after the PPP grants applied because Congress has expressed a willingness to say, let us know what the demand is. We're willing to do more. If you don't apply because you're worried you're too late or you're worried you're not in that 20 day one window. It, it might block other folks. And so uh, um, please get that in. Uh, and I would also say AHLA um, uh, is American Hotel Lodging Association is pushing a similar program for lodging. And so um, getting your application, if you don't qualify or letting us know, um, we are gonna be preparing a major grassroots effort for a similar uh, lodging relief effort. They announced AHLH, uh, our partners at the national level announced um, that pro that they're going to be pushing that program. I think it was last week, two weeks ago. Time and space is lost in 2021. I've forgotten when everything started, but um, lodging there is hope for a similar program, um, and we'll be getting more information out as that develops. Because um, I think the transportation package that comes out next is going to include both the idea for additional funds for this and um, if there's momentum on the hotel program. Kathy, when we're can you put in the chat? I know we did a couple of podcasts on this um, that should answer all the questions. And I, and did we build a toolkit on this? I believe we did. And I I'll I'll drop the links in the chat. We have a handy dandy toolkit that's got more information and links every resource we've created. I would check that first. The sample application is included there. Eligibility requirements and the documents that you need to apply. I did notice that Brian had a question regarding hotels applying. Hotels can apply. Lodging is viable if 
33% of your gross comes from your food and beverage program. If you don't have an F&B program on site, this, this funding is, you won't qualify for it. But if you do, and it's 33% of your gross, you should apply. That's important. And it's by EIN. So if your restaurant has a separate EIN. Also true. Also, you could also get in. It, it's, uh -huh. not by, it's not by NAIC, it's by EIN. Correct. Also important, we, know, we heard from the SBA this morning that uh, the PPP channel has been exhausted. There is no more funding in that for PPP. If you had an application in the queue prior to today, you're, in, you're still viable, but they're not accepting any more applications. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's awesome. So yeah, Kathy, please put, it uh, looks like the toolkits in there, the podcasts, and people may not know, I hope you all know your territory manager, your membership rep by now, but um, the SBA actually did some training so you could answer questions and gave, gave you a hotline, right? So if there's any I got, questions we have we the fat phone to the SBA, it's great. So if you, if you do have questions, have you hit a blip, if you get back into your application and there's all sorts of, you've been stalled, you should call. Um, you should call us. You should, um, I'm going to put the number in. Uh, if you don't know the app, your territory manager, or who that is. Uh, just just uh, email the podcast number and then, and then, and then Lisa will get, I mean, get you from there. Podcast number, uh, podcast I'll, address. Right. And Lisa, you put the, you put the, the toolkit in. The Excellent. toolkit and the webinar. Right. And we're happy to assist members or non-members. If you know anybody who's got a language barrier or uh, tech issues, just not necessarily an IT human being, we can connect them to resources to actually assist in getting the application in. Yeah, so if you're interested in a million dollars, this is the one you wanna throw in. And, and even if you're like, well, only one out of six are gonna get it, you buy lotto tickets that have much worse odds than one out of six. Let's get, let's get everyone in and show Congress how much we need help in getting this debt If you relief. have stress yeah. about the application, it only takes about 20 minutes. Once your docs are prepared, it's not super stressful. Well, other grant application programs were, this one's easy. Kathy, thanks for joining us this morning and, and we appreciate it and all your work. I mean, 500 phone calls in three days is you know just a sense of how much you've done to outreach to operators to help and you and your team on the membership side. Thank you so much. We appreciate all of our members and all the operators. Thank you so much for the community. We, we need them to survive. So thank you for having me. The, the podcast we put on there is not the only podcast making news. Lisa, we have, don't we have another podcast coming up this month uh, that people are gonna wanna watch? Um, yes, as a matter of fact, we do. We have two national events coming up. Um, the first one is the National State of the Industry for Restaurants and Entertainment on May 11th. That's Tuesday. It will feature National Restaurant Association CEO Tom Benny and operators Brian Moreno and Jenny Rojanistein. And the association's Katie Doyle will be there for a roundtable discussion on federal legislation and available relief. Um, we also have one of these going on for our lodging and events members. Um, this will be on May 20th. Uh, American Hotel and Lodging Association CEO Chip Rogers will speak about available funding, how AHLA is advocating on your behalf at the federal level and what the future holds. It will also have a segment with STR on state room supply, occupancy, and REVPAR. Um, both of these are available. Uh, you can register from either of these on our website at either 
wahospitality.org or at hub.wahospitality.org and click on the webinars and videos link. Awesome. Just if you could put again in the chat for the, the uh, meetings with the two national CEOs, uh, uh, one for the restaurants and the others uh, and the link. And then again, if you're listening online later or you're, you're in your car and you're like, I can't remember that address, just email podcast at wahospitality.org and say, can you send me the link and we'll send you the link directly. So um, I'm excited to hear those. I haven't had a chance to hear Chip speak uh, or either of the, uh, uh, the new CEOs speak um, since they've become CEOs at the, the National Restaurant Association and HLA. So I'm, I'm going to be excited to listen to both of those. Uh, you know, a couple of other wins moving forward. And then I want to get to a, to a, a, a kind of a, one of our industry's major heroes in Julia Gordon. Um, uh, but some other exciting things that happened last month, we got our, our report we get a quarterly savings report about how much our program saved our members. And they actually had a record quarter. Our business insurance uh, enrollees saved an average of 29% on their business insurance last quarter. Um, our new payroll program, uh, Paylocity, uh, had an average savings of 35%. So those are two programs that are really taking off and helping a lot of people. A lot of times people said, I only belong for retro. Um, and here's all these programs starting to deliver a lot of value uh, uh, to folks. And then our credit card suite um, had an average savings over $6,000 this quarter. Um, and so that quarterly savings report is kind of new as we track these things out, but um, it's been a record quarter for our program. So thanks to all our folks in business development. If you're interested in those programs, again, let our podcast know and we'll, we'll um, pass it on. Speaking of a heck of a quarter or a heck of a session, um, if you haven't met Julia Gordon, it really is your loss. She's uh, one of the smartest, fiercest, uh, coolest people you'll meet. Uh, uh, everyone wants to know why I'm the CEO instead of her, and it's a fair question. I'm not really sure. Uh, uh, Julia, welcome, and congratulations on a heck of a session. Thank you for um, such a kind introduction, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's true, and and, uh, and you really did. Um, when I was with Boeing, and we we're trying to say Boeing in the state, I thought I had a good session, and I think you might have topped me in your work to to help relieve an industry. Um, have you had any sleep since since Sine died? Since session got over, has your team had a break? Are you okay? Yeah. Well, I think uh, for those who are listening and are on our government affairs committee calls weekly, I think this might be an appropriate time to remind you that you promised me a Hawaiian vacation if we were able to have <laughs> unemployment insurance early. <laughs> and oh, we did, so. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, uh, well, uh, let, let's kind of talk about some of the wins of this session. Um, and I mean, I think the biggest win, um, obviously we all wanted to get reopened, uh, but that was the legislator's role. That was more the governor's role. So sticking with the legislative stuff, um, let's talk about some of our relief efforts. What are some of your highlights on the relief efforts that you're proud of that have taken effect that the members should know about? Yeah, um, and I'll back up and just start off by saying it, it feels a little um, odd saying we had a good session because we've had such an awful year and a half um, we had a significant legislative agenda because, quite frankly, our industry needed um, relief in order to survive. Uh, and so we were able to achieve a large number of those objectives. 
but you know we needed to. Uh, and I think we certainly had um, an appropriate um, uh, reaction to uh, to what the industry's been through uh, by the legislature. They it was very clear that uh, in relief efforts they've prioritized the hospitality industry and wanted to make sure that they were doing what they could to, to help our industry. And I think um, we're very pleased that we were able to achieve a number of those objectives. Um, but beginning with kind of with sort of the relief category, um, we did have a, a legislative agenda that focused on relief, restart and recovery. Um, there is a, a significant number of items we were able to achieve for our members. And I think we'll kind of start with um, most significantly is, is around unemployment insurance. Uh, the very, very first bill that the legislature passed this year and, and sent to the governor's uh, desk for signature was around unemployment insurance relief, delivering $1.73 billion in uh, unemployment insurance rates uh, relief to, uh, to businesses that have been impacted by COVID. And I think, um, when Employment Security Department sent out those rate notices in December, um, the magnitude of what has really happened um, certainly showed on, on all of our rate notice increases. For the hospitality industry, right, it was, it was probably the most significant. Um, we were seeing increases of 1,200 to 1,300%, which uh, we certainly weren't in a position to, to take that on. Um, for the you know next four years, so that was that was certainly significant. Um, and and there's also like two hundred million dollars in 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 relief efforts on grants too, wasn't there? Yes. Uh, so going into session, when we were talking about ways the legislature could provide relief to the industry, we were a little bit. Um, uh, uh, our hands were a little bit tied because there's a constitutional provision that prohibits a uh, gift of, of funds to any kind of private entity or private business. So the legislature is actually constitutionally prohibited um, by providing grants similar to the, the um, federal relief efforts that we saw, but they still had a significant amount of funds that were not yet appropriated from the, the federal relief efforts. And uh, they were able to pass $240 million in small business grants relief, um, direct relief, which our, our um, wonderful uh, membership team has been out and about uh, assisting members applying for those grants. So um, another $240 million in those grants. And from what I heard, about 80% of those are going to end up going to hospitality. Um, oh, wow. Great. Um, uh, and so we'll be interesting to see how all that comes out as, as the final numbers come out. But uh, that didn't happen without a lot of work by your team, Julia. So thank you very much on that one. Um, uh, on, on employment issues, you started to talk about UI. But, but as incredible as it sounds, $1.3 billion, that was just the first UI bill, right? When there, we actually had to fix yeah. next year, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Uh, one of the last bills that was passed actually was uh, in regards to next year's unemployment insurance rates. Uh, we know this is going to be a kind of a multi-year effort 
as unemployment insurance rates are based off of a four-year look-back period. Uh, and so addressing the, the massive benefit charges and increases in unemployment insurance rates is going to be a challenge moving forward. And we were able to address this in another bill that provides $500 million in relief to, um, to businesses that have been impacted. And uh, importantly with this, uh, this version of relief, uh, they created four different um, categories for relief, uh, prioritizing the hospitality industry in the first category and the second category. So a bulk of those funds will be targeted and directed at the hospitality industry, which was really important for us since um, the impact of COVID has been so um, so uneven, uh, hospitality industry taking a, a you know, significant brunt of that. Um, so able, we were able to get targeted and direct relief um, for our folks that have been the most impacted. Um, well, and, and what, what would you estimate you said the savings on that second bill would probably have been how much in, in addition? Uh, yeah, so $500 million for the, the second uh, round of relief and $1.7 billion for the first round of relief. So, so, so over $2 billion, uh, yeah. In $2 billion in, in, in relief that will be largely targeted at, at our at helping our industry, um, which is just great work. And for those of you who don't know, um, Julia, you were the lead for the business community. You you were you were the one trying to hold on to labor and bring D's and R's and everyone together to make that happen. And I'm sure that took years off your life, but you really played a leadership role in that. Um, <laughs> and and what what was that like of being the point person for the whole state? I mean, it's the second time you've done it, right? You also were did the same thing on paid family leave, but. What was that like being in that that hot seat with everyone looking at you for all the answers for all industries while you're trying to help hospitality? Well, thank you for saying that, but um, just to make sure everyone on this call listening to the podcast knows that you were uh, an incredible mentor because you, <laughs> you yourself have a lot of history and background in unemployment insurance. So it was it was great to have uh, have you as uh, kind of a background <laughs> hidden hidden uh, treasure there to, to assist with with kind of those complicated um, complicated matters. I think ultimately, though, it was um, it it was an issue that our members desperately needed, and so um, taking uh, kind of taking the lead there, it's because we were the most impacted. And it was great, um, had a strong team um, of colleagues that have also um, supported relief efforts. I, I do serve on the Unemployment Insurance Advisory Council, which is a really fun group of business and labor. We get together once a month and talk about what is happening with unemployment insurance, um, kind of nerd out on, on data uh, and uh, submit um, uh, suggestions, policy suggestions to the legislature. So uh, we're able to um, uh, put forward this proposal, both of the, the two proposals because of the background uh, and work on, on those groups. Well, you and I could talk UI all day, but I, I get our I members are like, okay, we got relief, thank you. I know sometimes uh, I have to shut myself down. Like, okay, I'm getting a, getting a little bit too detailed. <laughs> uh, well, in fact, we call it UI, but our members are like, what are they talking about? It's unemployment insurance. Uh, what are the other employment issues that were really uh, a little bit crazy? We had to put a lot of uh, elbow grease into this uh, this session, Julia. 
Yeah, so it's interesting that that you say that. I think both um, or all four caucuses, uh, you know, this was an unusual session, um, virtual session that no one has ever experienced before. So all four caucuses kind of put together their legislative agendas. And we started session um, with the priority of being, you know, um, relief uh, from COVID, responding to the, to the uh, COVID outbreak and equity and passing a budget. And those, those were the issues, the priorities. And um, there was really a strong push not to engage in any other issue area. And that just didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> there were just as many bills introduced this session um, as any other long session, and the virtual nature of session made uh, made our, we certainly had our work cut out for us um, this year. So there were uh, a significant number of bills introduced um, targeted at assisting workers um, through the pandemic, which I think we're quite pleased we're able to on on almost every issue that was introduced. Um, find a way to address sort of those unique needs through the um, through the epidemic, while not um, penalizing businesses. Of course, who did not create the pandemic. So, there were a large number of bills in um, the labor arena that we were able to to work with um, uh, to uh, to amend to uh, address the issues. Um, that businesses were also facing, um, or were just able to, to um, stop conversation on those bills this year uh, because of the, the impact. I think the most significant bill that we talked the most about um, was KETAM, which created a private, would have created a private right of action um, for workers or really any third party relators is what they were called. Um, really anyone could file a lawsuit against a business for any alleged labor violation, which um, is a significant challenge because we have a labor and industries agency whose entire mission is to uh, create safe workplaces, to encourage compliance with businesses, provide compliance, support services, and of course, um, you know, seek and enforce those laws. So, uh, and, and uh, of course, labor and industries is, is certainly entitled to uh, levy fines, penalties, et cetera, um, for non-compliance. And so, what, what really is the purpose of having an agency whose sole mission is to do that work if we're also going to allow private individuals to file lawsuits on any sort of alleged uh, violation? And so that was an issue we worked um, significantly on uh, this year, as well as previous years. We do anticipate it coming back. Um, we were able uh, to defeat that bill this year uh, and certainly envision working on that issue in the coming years. But that was uh, one bill that occupied a, a lot of our time. Yeah, and again, three years ago, I, I didn't, I would have known what KETAM is. And right. <laughs> um, if you're just like, like me, I, my background is being a hamburger flipper. If you're, if you're a hamburger flipper and you're like, what would the elevator speech for, for KETAM would be essentially a lawyer coming in seeing what they perceive to be a violation and just start filing a lawsuit without and then and then the ability to start turning that into a class action even though they didn't have um uh um necessarily a, a client in the case to start with is that am i roughly accurate on what what that means to the average operator 
Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think a number, actually a number of our members understand what it's like um, or have dealt with the drive-by lawsuits um, with the federal ADA compliance, right? Anyone can, they don't even have to necessarily have been in your business and they can file a lawsuit uh, and you find yourself in the position of having to hire an attorney uh, just to respond to a frivolous lawsuit. So it would be uh, similar to that, uh, but instead every single possible um, uh, law or rule that late LNI oversees, you'd be able to, to file a lawsuit. Okay. Um, how many, how many employment, how many employment bills do you think we're tracking total this session, even though they were focused? A lot. hundred. Like <laughs> it's probably the, the, the single largest outside of, uh, tax issues, but the single largest, uh, issue area we've, we've engaged in. Yeah. I talked to a new government affairs member this year who joined the government affairs committee, by the way, any member can join a government, the government affairs committee as long as they attend a couple of meetings they're in because we want to do what you want. They're like, I had no idea. It's like all these issues you're fighting for us. And I just read the headlines. I had no idea you were tracking hundreds and hundreds of bills for us yeah. that would have negative impact. Uh, and uh, it's always interesting to hear that kind of the first time from someone who, who had a good heart, was very smart. Just they didn't ever peek behind the curtain before. You, you mentioned tax. Um, what were the highlight on the tax issues this year that yeah. our members should know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so importantly, there was a sugary beverage tax introduced um, that really uh, followed the lines of what we've seen in Seattle um, introduced statewide. Uh, would have had a significant cost impact on our industry. Uh, we were able to engage in that bill uh, and we're also able to ensure that bill did not move forward this year. So I think that's um, a major win for our folks and in our industry this year is that we were able to stop that from moving forward. Uh, we were also able to get a, a tax clarification uh, regarding the Seattle tourism tax. Uh, we did have a hotel that was audited um, and the Department of uh, Revenue assessed uh, sales tax should have been charged on top of the tourism assessment, which is not how uh, that works in any other part of the state. It was a very interesting interpretation, but assessed uh, penalties and back taxes. So we went to the legislature, um, helped support this bill through, um, through passage. So we were able to clarify that um, we don't owe sales tax on top of the tourism assessment. And we're also able to make that retroactive so that um, that hotel and any other hotels who may have been audited in the past will not be on the hook for that. So that was, um, I think, was a, a great issue we were able to, to get past the finish line. It was, it's interesting because it seems like such an um, obvious one. You had to put a lot of effort to get that thing through. It got like hung up four times. And I, and I don't think the average operator is going to like, well, of course they corrected it. That one was harder than it looked like because the kids kept getting snagged, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, and it, it did eventually make, make its way through. Um, thank goodness, but it did Whew. make a lot of sense. Good work. So, yeah. <laughs> and then I think maybe one of the most disappointing, frustrating bills of the session um, that we were actually able to, to pretty early on quickly correct uh, was regarding fiscal flexibility for uh, local governments. Um, the Association of Washington Cities introduced a bill that would have allowed 
cities to raid uh, local lodging tax funds at a time when our industry desperately needs support. Um, cities had come to the legislature to ask to kind of rob, rob us of those, of those funds. Uh, we were able to engage very early on. We had significant member engagement as well. Um, and uh, that piece of the bill was struck um, pretty early on. We're able to um, to get that bill in, in much better shape. So very pleased with the outcome on that as well. And the other tax bill you haven't mentioned yet, which again, there's so much that you've had such a, a, a you were so hard for us, uh, was the property tax bill. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah. the property tax relief bill? Yeah, um, and I also put this in a, another um, bucket of, of frustration, <laughs> this bill. Uh, ultimately, we were able to, to pass after significant opposition from local government again, uh, but uh, we know that property tax payments are oftentimes the largest bill that our members have, and so we um, sought out to seek relief on property tax, uh, and this bill took a number of different um, pathways to do that. Uh, property tax is a pretty difficult issue to work in because not only is there a state component, there's a local component, there's oftentimes local levies, local taxing districts. So we were able to um, pass the bill that uh, requires counties to set up a payment plan for any business that has experienced a 25% loss in revenue. Uh, and they are prohibited from applying any penalties or interests. And um, quite pleased with that outcome, but very disappointed that we had such significant opposition from local government on that. Um, right, ultimately, we're just asking them not to make money off of our industry when we've been through such significant um, struggles this past year. Just please don't assess penalties and interests on uh, on the payment plans. And ultimately, the legislature agreed that that made a lot of sense, and we're able to override. Uh, the local government um, opposition there. So um, very pleased we were able to, to kind of win that, that argument, provide a, a layer of relief for our folks. Now, operators have a limited time to apply for the payment. How does that work for right. great news on the win? But if you're a real operator, you want to locate it. Well, now what do I do with that? How do I take advantage of this? How, where do they start? Right, so uh, it was for property tax payments that were due April 30th. So we were able to work with our membership team um, and communications team to make sure we got the word out very quickly. I think we had about um, 16 days between when the governor signed the bill and April 30th um, for folks to apply uh, for those uh, penalty and interest-free payment plans. Okay, good, good work. I there's so much here we could talk about because there's probably another 85 tax bills we could talk about. Um, but uh, let's move on to business operations. What about in the business operations area? What were the, the major wins or frustrations for you in, in that category of issues? Yeah, and I, I want to make sure that also celebrate good partnerships. <laughs> I touched on what, what was frustrating was the opposition from, from local governments in relief for industry, but um, really positive relationship has been with the Liquor and Cannabis Board um, throughout this entire pandemic. 
the very first call that um, we received on March 13th, the day that, that we got word that our industry was gonna be closed down was um, the executive director of the Liquor and Cannabis Board asking how they could help or what they could do to support um, the industry and have been really strong partners ever since. And that carried through uh, to uh, our legislative agenda. Uh, we were able to, um, to pass two um, significant bills in the liquor arena. Um, one was extending some of those privileges that we worked with the Liquor and Cannabis Board on, um, so cocktails to go, uh, things like that, we were able to extend. And then also we're able to, um, to work with the legislature to, to waive liquor license fees for um, for a year, which is a significant um, impact to, to operators. Um, it's one of our largest um, licensing and, and fees that, that we pay. So that was incredibly helpful, but that could not have been done without the support of the Liquor and Cannabis Board. Uh, it's been that relationship. Also have, to, also have to give a shout out to Katie Doyle on our team who's been, <laughs> been she's been the true one working on those issues. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, shout out to the, that partnership and just the communication on both fronts and, and a lot of issues that have occurred on the rulemaking side too. It's It's been fun to watch that relationship really blossom and work together in a time of crisis with the control board. So um, what other issues under uh, um, uh, uh, business operations would you, would, you, would you highlight? Yeah, um, so, and I think one point we're still working on is, um, the eviction moratorium bill that passed. Um, we were very pleased we were able to remove um, hotel guests under the definition of tenant um, for, for uh, the eviction moratorium. And uh, we'll be working, con unfortunately continuing to work on that. Um, the bill did contain an emergency clause, which means it's effective immediately as soon as the governor signs the bill. Um, there seems to be a difference in interpretation of what that actually means with the Attorney General's office, um, who is continuing to enforce the, uh, the executive order, um, despite the fact that the bill had an emergency clause. So we are going to continue to suggest that um, our members proceed with extreme caution uh, in having hotel guests that stay beyond the, the 13 days. Um, and as this eviction moratorium comes close to um, expiring June 30th, we'll make sure that the, the actual bill that was passed will, will take over uh, and uh, ensure that hotel guests are not considered tenants for a purpose of protection under the eviction moratorium. Um. Yeah, that, that would, I know even the, even the half steps in between, and I know we got to get this all the way through, but heard from a lot of operators, the work on the evictions has, has really helped a lot of hoteliers and a lot of appreciation on that. And it's frustrating to get the win and have somebody like change their mind on you. So thanks for staying diligent on that one. It, it's weird that there's so many things, we haven't even touched tourism yet. Right. Um, so uh can you talk a little bit about the uh, the ability? We got to get out of this thing, and we sorry got to recruit conventions back to Washington. Can you talk a little bit about what we were able to do on tourism funding? 
Yeah, so we entered uh, the legislature with a request of $12 million on uh, tourism funding, which is a significant increase over and above what we, our $3 million annual budget. Uh, but we're able to successfully, um, you know, educate lawmakers and, and um, make the argument that we've got to do something significant to, to restart uh, the economy and support the hospitality industry. And we're able to achieve $12 million uh, in the budget directed at um, the Washington Tourism Alliance uh, in promoting the state um, and very pleased with, with that outcome. A lot of support legislatively on on um, understanding that we need to get we need to get folks visiting um, again when when it's safe <laughs> we need to get folks visiting uh, Washington um, we've got a lot of folks or a lot of other states that are um, marketing to our citizens and <laughs> convincing them to come visit uh, their states we need to to do the same because I mean, we all know that Washington is is quite honestly the, the most beautiful and the best state with the best local wines. And <laughs> so uh, come visit Washington when it's safe. Well, it's certainly one with the best hospitality government affairs director. We'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> so the, um, and I did talk to David Blanford, uh, who is uh, uh, the head of the Washington Tourism Alliance, and they're hitting the ground running. They're going to be ready to go July 1 when that money comes through to really start getting people to to circulate around Washington, assuming we hear good things on reopening moving forward, which will be our next topic. Um, but, uh, but he was very appreciative of all our work and the leadership. Um, and we're, we're confident the governor's gonna sign the bill, right? As of, as of today, the, the budget bill isn't signed, but we're not, he's like, don't get overconfident because the governor's still got to sign the tourism bill. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I think we're okay with that. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, we both kind of mentioned reopening. And so this was a wonderful session, um, but we aren't open yet. And really it's gonna be hard to celebrate anything until um, our hotel's capacity gets back up to 90%, until our restaurants are full, until we get the debt relieved. We got work in front of us and the immediate work is getting reopened. Um, we've had a lot of strategy sessions this week. The governor announced we're not rolling back, which is good news, um, but we really gotta start moving forward. So Julia kind of, give our membership kind of a sense of what we're gonna be working on in, in this coming month, really talking about a reopening conversation. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We've, we've heard the president say that, you know, July 4th is, is um, our day to, to reopen, um, start resuming life again. Um, we've seen a number of other states um, either completely open or submit their plans. Uh, and with dates certain on when they envision um, being able to resume <laughs> normal life again. And uh, that's almost going to be our singular focus uh, this spring, um, really focusing on making sure Washington is in line with the rest of the country. Um, we've had an incredible year and a half of um, significant sacrifice as an industry and um, vaccines are now available to everyone. I've been told that we need to wait until a vaccine is, is uh, available to, to everyone before we can start having these conversations. And now that it is, it's time to start having those conversations. So um, stay tuned, everyone. I think your association is really gonna be gearing up for that campaign publicly and, and with 
leaders and other folks, and we'll be turning to you and our partners across the state to really get it's time to reopen. And and uh, uh, I think Julia said it exactly right. We're it's it's time, <laughs> and and it is great. My 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 uh, son missed his second shot appointment, which you know you want to kill him on, but. He, he was able to call the next day and get right back in, right? He was able to, one day, was, it didn't have to wait 10 days for an appointment on vaccinations. And so we're at that point where um, people can walk in. I know Pierce County announced this week, you don't need an appointment anymore to any of the sites, just come on in and get vaccinated. And I think that's where we wanna be. So if we have a really good couple of weeks, um, we can be one of those states that should be saying, Washington's open for business again. Still safe. I think masks might be with us for a little bit, but but uh, our hospitality businesses can start the long process of digging out of debt and, and moving forward and bringing their employees back to work. So anything else you'd want our members to know on that, Julia? Um, just to look for lots of communication <laughs> from us on this topic in the, in the weeks to come. Yeah, unless we get something really quickly done with the governor's office, I think we're gonna need everyone's help in amplifying the mm -hmm. it's time to reopen message, so. Uh, usually we're getting a lot of questions, but I think, you know, like usual, Julie is so captivating, they forget to ask questions. They just like to listen to her talk. So did we get anything come in from the chat room or otherwise? Uh, no, no, no questions yet. It, I can remind everybody, Q&A, if you want to just go ahead and type it in there, if you have a question. Well, I'd also like to thank IBA, our thank sponsor you. for this event. Uh, thank you so much to, to allow us to do these. I was just going to ask, well, we'll give everyone a chance to post uh, uh, great questions for Julia. Um, uh, we do want to thank our sponsor, IBA, and, and making this happen and moving this forward. Um, and I don't, I don't even know if we can post a little information on, on them in the, in the chat room as, as well. So, um, Lisa, as uh, was we're waiting for any members who have questions that, oh, did some come in? Uh, someone let us know that he came in a little late. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, Lisa, as we were talking and, and you didn't grow up a government affairs person, uh, so you have that blessing. Was there anything that you would hope we would have to clarify to somebody who doesn't live, uh, near the dome and, and sit on eight hours worth of government affairs zoom meetings that uh, maybe we use an acronym that we could help people clarify or otherwise, you know, I think that that was done very well. I, I, it's, Definitely language for the layman here, and that's me in all ways. So um, we do have some questions that have come in. Um, how can we help ampl amplify the message of Let's Reopen? We will be reaching out to all of our partners soon. We're developing those messages in the, all week and later this afternoon and, and, and soon. So I think letting us know who you're connected to and when you see a message or a text or a thing come out from us, grab or even post even email the podcast email saying I've, i'm connected to groups i want to help you amplify the let's reopen message and so when we were go we're getting you all the right information we're we're going to be strategic there will messages that will work in washington and there will be messages that will push a receptive audience the wrong way so we're going to do this right because we we want to get it reopened as soon as we can and we don't want things that that give people a reason to not reopen us um, can you touch a little on the capital gains tax bill that passed? Any update on the tax? 
Yes. Uh, so capital gains tax passed was signed into law yesterday by the governor. Um, this has been an issue that has been floating through the legislature for five, six years now. Um, finally gained the support necessary to, to pass this year, just barely. Uh, so essentially the bill does is enacts a 7% tax on, uh, on gains. Um, our involvement in this bill has been to protect the sale of a business. Uh, we know that our industry uh, uses the sale of a business oftentimes to retire, to send a kid to college, et cetera. And so um, our main objective there was to protect um, the sale of a business. We were successful in um, exempting a sale of a family owned business from um, from the capital gain, the new capital gains tax, we were also successful in uh, exempting any property uh, from the, the capital gains tax that was enacted. So those two, um, those two pieces allowed us to have a neutral position on the bill that ultimately passed. Um, while we are neutral, we still understand there's been a lot of conversations in the business community around um, whether or not enacting a tax like this is legal. Uh, there will probably be additional um, engagement from, from other groups on um, challenging the legality or even um, adding a referendum or initiative to, to challenge the, um, the enactment of, of a capital gains tax. So. Um, there will be a lot more, <laughs> a lot more conversation on this topic um, uh, moving forward. Okay, and we have another question about um, any chance that we would move to where the Montana governor has just decided to reject federal unemployment benefits in favor of back to work bonuses. I don't envision a scenario in which our governor would do that. Um, Anthony, do you have any? Well, I think, I, I, unfortunately, I had the advantage of, I, Brett asked me this question yesterday, uh, <laughs> and um, and I hadn't had a chance to get back to him. I saw the email last night when I got to my emails at like 9.30. Um, I think there's a chance, Julia, for us to talk uh, to unemployment, probably not the way Montana government, to, to, be, to be really honest, I, I, rejecting federal benefits is I don't think is what the governor's office can do. However, shared work or return to work or work incentive programs are within the realms of ESD. And I think we can message something that gets people back to work without loss. Because um, ESD really wants people off the rolls um, as soon as reasonable as well. So Brett, I think your question gives, uh, now that session's ended and Julia had a couple of days to, <laughs> to not work 20 hours a day, uh, I think it's a good chance to go back to ESD and say, as we reopen, um, what are the possibilities to have incentive programs to get back without having people feel tied there? I think there can be a, a different conversation that was had in Montana with the same results. Julie, is that fair? Or am I over? Am I, I, yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. I don't envision a scenario in which our governor will reject federal funds. Um, I absolutely agree with your comments around ESD um, being a strong partner in returning folks to work. I mean, um, even prior to um, to COVID, uh, ESD partnered with us on a, on a number of events and completely understand our value in um, providing jobs and helping people get back to work. So I think that would absolutely be up their, their alley. 
So Julia, between your and I's extensive background in, in unemployment insurance, maybe we can brainstorm and talk to ESD and give an update next month if we've had any luck. Great. Any other questions that have come through? No, that's it. Julia, Julia I want to ask a question because uh, media is always funny and we appreciate them and they help get the word about hospitality out, but they covered restaurants predominantly in the media coverage, even though we talk lodging and otherwise. And so a um, uh, couple of our operators have said, well, have hotels been helped in all this? And, and we hear about restaurants in the media. When, 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 when a hotel operator said, we've heard a lot of restaurant conversations, what, what got done for lodging this session? How would you answer that question? Yeah, well, I think first of all, the, um, the concern is fair. I think media picked up on um, the closures impacting restaurants, gyms, bowling alleys, et cetera, because the, that's where the governor focused his, um, his executive powers in, in, um, in restrictions to curb uh, the spread of, of the virus. Um, hotels weren't ever closed by order of the, of the governor. So um, it has taken us, it was a huge education effort with media as well as lawmakers that just because the, the hotel side of the industry wasn't closed or impacted by a specific order, there's still travel advisory. Um, there's still significant impacts on businesses, right down 79%, employment down 56%. Um, hotels have probably been impacted more um, as an industry sector than, than restaurants. And so it was a huge education effort. And I think that um, ultimately showed in um, the relief that we were able to achieve um, included in, in every um, opportunity for relief that was passed. And then um, lawmakers were well aware that the property tax piece was directed at, um, sorry, the, the property tax relief, um, House Bill 1332, which we touched on earlier, was directed at hotels, um, property tax being the largest tax payment that they have. Um, and uh, we're able to also achieve the $12 million in the budget to, to encourage tourism and, and assist the, the uh, lodging industry. So I think there was a, a, lot, um, a lot of opportunities for relief for the lodging side. And I think we're, we're very pleased about, about being able to achieve those. Uh, and and I, I, I was, there was a lot of work even on the things that didn't happen that were very lodging specific that, again, they weren't media sexy per se, but uh, a lot of things that your team did. And, and I'm, I am very appreciative of all the work you did for the whole industry. Um, uh, I saw another question come in on um, on the worker issue. Um, yes. And uh, having trouble finding employees who want to work. That is, it's funny. It's like my community. No, this is statewide. This is everywhere. And um, we are talking about what can we do in this arena. I think Julia and I's conversation we had about ESD is just a part of it. I, mean, I think when we talk to the media, um, this is a, is a multifaceted issue. One, we've had a huge brain drain, as many of you know. Many people have left the industry because of the inconsistent work over the past year. We've had the UI issue um, uh, with people getting more from unemployment than the other, and that's a, a piece of it. Um, we also have other industries who've when our workers were moving 
uh, have have hired them, and 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 those are moving forward as well as other industry professionals, flat out moving out of state. And so, believe it or not, our our state's unemployment rate, I believe, is down to five point five. Um, so it's not like there are hundreds of thousands. Well, there probably are, but the the unemployment rate is coming back down, and we need to help get people back to work. And that's the truth. Um, but I I think um, there's going to be this shifting. Grocery really hired up. Um, when they probably had a record year for grocery. Grocery will never see that kind of volume again. And now that as people come back into um, our industry, um, we'll see that employment start shifting back away from there. So a great question, uh, Robert, on, on, on unemployment. And I think we will be working on ideas and resources in the upcoming month as we try to figure out what normal is and what is a, because Julia, many people will be they're just 52, 50 some weeks will be running out, right? Not 50 weeks, but 26 weeks on unemployment will be running out shortly, right? So 26 weeks and then um, the federal benefits have extended that through September 4th. So tell me, so and I'm just gonna be in the, in the, in the moment. Does that mean people have, can stay on unemployment through September 4th, no matter where, where they're at with their 26 weeks? Um, I don't think it's a, it's not a blanket. Um, everyone gets unemployment insurance until September 4th, which is why it's really important to, when you do extend an offer to return to work, um, that it is a formal offer. And if it is declined, you um, ensure that you report that to the Employment Security Department. Um, the the um, requirement for work searches is waived through September 4th. Um, in extended benefits continue through September 4th. And then there's also um, federal benefits for folks who may not have been eligible for state benefits. So generally, <laughs> there is additional um, support for, for unemployment benefits through September 4th. Of course, there's um, caveats within that. You can't, if you're offered a job, there's many instances where if you turn that down, your benefits end. Lisa, this sounds like a good opportunity for our, our, our one of our pillars, primary source of information, to create a chart on what this means. Because even in listening to Julia, and I know unemployment, my brain got a little lost. Granted, I'm not as smart as she is. So maybe maybe in the next month, um, we can put together some information for help our, our members understand that and get it posted on our website. Julia, you know, I was adding up. We talked about 15, 20 issues in an hour. You had over 40 major wins for the industry in a session. And I... And I there's this balance between our industry's down $10 billion. Yeah, that's the accurate number, $10 billion since COVID started. Um, and and we, it's hard to celebrate too much. At the same time, the relief you provided and the work you've done was incredible. And, and, and thank you so much to you and your team, the Government Affairs Committee uh, for the guidance and, and all of the volunteers who did grassroots. Um, the industry really owes you a big, big thank you and, and yes, more than a week in Hawaii, if we could figure out how to come together. <laughs> you all heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, um, if you liked what you heard, please pass it on to others in, in the industry. And uh, we look forward to talking to everyone next month. And again, uh, uh, if you have a chance, we're excited for, the, for both CEOs of the national organizations and their podcasts uh, for Washington specific later this month. So please check it out. Uh, and thanks again to our sponsor, IBA, for uh, making this happen. Lisa, anything else for the good of the order? 
Uh, real quick, I dropped a link to the YouTube video of our unemployment security department webinar that or employment security webinar that we had, I believe in March, um, that talked about return to work and shared work in depth. Great. Thanks everyone for what you do. It's an honor to serve the industry and to serve you. And uh, hopefully next month we're talking about reopening has happened. Wouldn't that be cool? Let's give ourselves hope and we'll go from there. Everybody have a, have a great May. Thanks for listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, wahospitality.org, where you can learn more about the restaurant and lodging industries and the Washington Hospitality Association. Be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google, Spotify, or iHeartRadio so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Thank you so much for that effort. Until next time.